0: Matt Whitaker, former U.S. Acting Attorney General. This is
1: such a great conversation about America, our future, what's gonna save our republic. We have a great football player, Matt Whitaker is here, Matt. They tried to bury me, they didn't realize I was a seed. It's a touchdown! Well,
0: Whitaker. Former acting U.S. Attorney General. Under
1: President Trump. I'm going to be an unwavering supporter of law enforcement. Welcome to Liberty and Justice, with your host, Matt Whitaker. Welcome to Liberty and Justice. I am your host, Matt Whitaker. We're here at CPAC, and uh, it's my great pleasure to bring a friend on, Ronnie Jackson, Admiral, doctor, congressman. I mean, what else can you do?
0: Patriot, <laughs> I'm most importantly. I got my plate full right now, yeah, Matt. Yeah. You, are, you have a, <laughs> had an amazing
1: life of, of service to your country. Uh, you've written a book about it. I so have. tell me tell me about your book.
0: So the book's called Holding the Line, and uh, it's uh, it's a book just about my life in general. But it focuses a lot. It starts out with uh, what really happened on January sixth on the inside, because you know I was on the floor of the house when that happened. So it's my perspective on that. And then it you know goes into me growing up a little bit, my time in the Navy, uh, you know my time with the Marine Corps in Iraq and then it goes into my uh, time with three administrations, uh, taking care of President Bush, President Obama, President Trump, talks about my VA nomination, uh, talks a little bit about some of the COVID stuff, and it's just got a little bit of everything in there, but a lot of stories over uh, the last well, 30 I mean, years.
1: I, how do you condense that, all those stories into a book?
0: Yeah, it was hard, and it's you know it, it's not as big as I thought it was gonna be, but I I got another one to write after this one. I'm gonna have to fill in some gaps. I, I kind of hopped around a lot, yeah. so but I kind of hit some of the high points, but I think, uh, it's an interesting read.
1: And did you include pictures from all those I did. A, there's, a, there's a bunch
0: of photos in there. Yeah, yeah. I, bet that, I bet
1: it was hard yeah. to pick the right ones. Yeah,
0: the yeah, there's a lot of them. I have yeah. uh, quite a few over uh, 15 years at the White House, uh, accumulated quite a few photos from all over the world, So, yeah. but we put a few in there. As
1: someone that has been doctor to three U.S. presidents, I know that you have, uh, you know, sort of like everyone on the right, has been criticized because you've observed what we've all seen from yeah. President Biden and and think that you know he may have some cognitive decline. He may be prescribed certain um, medicines that are you know ha- helping him perform. But you know that's you obviously you didn't you haven't examined Biden. You don't have any idea what his current status is. But uh, just generally, as someone that's been a doctor to presidents, does, how concerned are you that we might have a president that isn't a fully cognitive and and able to do his job? You know, really twenty four hours a day.
0: Well, I'm I'm very concerned about it. I'm concerned as a citizen, you know, of, of this country because I think it's becoming a national security issue for us, quite frankly. And I was saying it back when he was candidate Joe Biden, and you know, I wasn't getting a lot of traction on it. People, uh, you know, uh, were questioning, you know, why I was saying that or you know, but now the whole world sees it. It's on display for everybody. You can see what's going on overseas. Uh, You know, our our reputation abroad is just taking a huge hit because of this man's incompetence. Uh, And, you know, domestically, we're getting destroyed. I mean, whether it's crime or the price of gas or our southern border, uh, these are all just huge issues for us. But I've been saying it since he was candidate Joe Biden. I said at the time, I said, you mark my word, another two years, it won't be Ronnie Jackson talking about it anymore. It's going to be the Democrats talking about it because this is not going to get better. Joe Biden's not a fine wine. He's not going to Get better with time. All of these diseases, whether it's Parkinson's or Alzheimer's or multi infarct dementia, like you said, I'm not his doctor. I'm not making a diagnosis. You don't have to be a physician to see what's going on with him right now, and everybody sees it. But all of these diseases get worse with time, not better. And he's going to have fewer and fewer good days as time goes on, more bad days. They're going to have to really work hard to keep him out of the front of the camera. But eventually, with two and a half years left, they are going to have to do something about it before the end of this term. So I honestly do not think he'll make it to the end of this term. Yeah, and one
1: of the story- as you famously tell in the book is that after you initially had raised those questions, um, President Obama, who you had been his doctor for, I guess, yeah. eight years, yeah. uh, sent you a text or a letter just saying, Ronnie, this is... Uh, Below you, or no? He did it.
0: You know the the way it happened was I was going to a fundraiser in Wichita Falls, and I was late for the fundraiser, and I I was just getting frustrated with the double standard and the hypocrisy. Because you remember how they came after me relentlessly (laughs) Relentlessly. with Trump for nothing because they didn't like his personality or they didn't like the nature of his tweets. He didn't really do anything to make them think he had cognitive issues, but they tried that along with everything else to get rid of him. And we did a cognitive test. You know, I briefed it. I stood up and briefed the press for an hour and a half. uh, You know, in front of the cameras and. you know, you know, here we have a president that's literally having, you know, he doesn't know where he's at. He did not know, you know what office he's running for when he was running. You know, he's confused. He's lost. He looks weak. He looks feeble. Shuffles when he walks. Uh, you know, slurs his speech. The, where are these people now? Complete crickets. Nobody's yeah. saying anything. And I was frustrated because I saw this tweet that came out from Ronald McDaniel back when he was running for president and I was running for Congress. And it said, you know, it, it was a clip of him where he thought he was running for the Senate, right? And he, and he was confused about what state he was in. And I, I just looked at that. And I said, wow, man, this is, I, I just. So I retweeted that, and I said, does anybody remember the cognitive test that I gave at real Donald Trump, yeah. the one that he aced? Looks The like famous somebody man, else.
1: woman, camera TV. Yeah, yeah exactly.
0: But I said, looks like somebody else needs a test. It was a pretty benign tweet overall. But ding, within like 20 minutes, I got this scathing email directly from President Obama yeah. just tearing me up saying, I can't believe the cheap shot you took at Joe. It's beneath you as a Navy rear admiral. It's beneath you as a physician to the president. It's a direct assault on me and my administration and my family and the people that, you know, that you worked for for eight years, and I hope you use better judgment in the future. I mean, he just butchered me, right? Wow. And uh, so I didn't really know what I was gonna do. I went in the, into the fundraiser; was already late. I thought, you know what, I'm not gonna write him back. I'm gonna call him. So my plan was when the fundraiser was over, I was gonna call him and talk to him about it, right? Because like you said, I did have a relationship with him, I worked for him for eight years, right? Uh, and. Um, So when I came out of the fundraiser, I had a little more time to think about it and I thought before I do this, I'm going to call somebody who can kind of like, you know, make sure that I'm not missing anything here and I don't say anything that I'm going to regret. So I picked the phone up and I called Dan Bongino because Dan had been secret service agent at the White House during the Obama administration. He and I traveled all over the world together. He got out. He kind of had some of the similar kind of things happen to him when he got out. So I thought Dan will understand kind of the way this is impacting me because it was a weird emotional thing. It was kind of a combination between being a little pissed off and then having my feelings hurt a little bit. Right. So I called Dan and and Dan
1: reprimanded by, you know, yeah. a, a, somebody that held the position that you have a lot of respect for.
0: Right. And so Dan was like, Ronnie, let me put this in perspective for you. You don't owe this guy a damn thing. You don't owe him a response, right? Did he do anything? Did he lift a single finger to help you when you were getting butchered with the VA nomination? He knew that was all garbage. He knew it was made up lies and crap. He could have made one phone call and stopped it. one, you know, and he didn't bother to help you at all. He's just, you don't, and I thought, you know what, Dan's right. I don't know him anything. So I didn't reply. Yeah. And, the, and the, I never talked about the letter at all until the book came out, uh, you know, just uh, last week. And now it's out in the book, and that's how it got out. But yeah.
1: yeah. Well, and you know, I don't think, I think most conservatives, Republicans remember when you were nominated for the VA, how, you, how poorly you were treated, unfounded accusations, unsubstantiated um, uh, uh, really uh, political hits yeah. against you and your reputation that were never true. Nobody went on the record and say, yeah. they said this or that happened. It was just, it was disgusting. And, and having been in the barrel like yeah. you and just knowing yeah. because they didn't like President Trump, yeah. they didn't like us, and they yeah. would just try to ruin your life. They I, didn't I care. mean,
0: I, I tell people all the time, you get the Trump stamp on you, which I'm proud to have, by yeah. the way, but you get the Trump stamp on you and you're marked for destruction. Yeah. You know, and I tell people, I didn't know it at the time because I was pretty naive. I wasn't in politics yet or anything. I was still on active duty in the Navy. Yeah. But man, I got Kavanaugh before Kavanaugh did. Yeah. I was the warm up, I was the pre-game, I just didn't know it yeah. at the time.
1: If you. Great comedy called The Campaign, which yeah. I, you may be familiar with, Will <laughs> yeah, Farrell. Yeah. You know, it's the, the famous line, Welcome to the show, right? Yeah, <laughs>
0: yeah exactly, yeah. <laughs>
1: but yeah. so you represent in Congress uh, a lot of North Texas, the Panhandle, uh, Amarillo, I guess that goes out to Wichita, Wichita Falls. Wichita Falls and, yeah, and yeah. all that. And and so as you get around the district, what are you hearing from your constituents? What are they telling you?
0: Well, my constituents are still really worried about voter integrity, right? They, they, they want to change. I mean, they do not like where we're at right now, but they want to know if they go to the polls and they vote that it's one person, one vote, and that there's not fraudulent votes, you know, all over the state that are undermining or taking their vote away from them. So they're worried about that. They're worried about the economy. They're worried about the price of gas. I mean, my my constituents are hardworking blue-collar people, farmers, ranchers, and you know, they they can't afford to gas their trucks up. I mean, in my district, gas is huge because you know you got to drive 40, 50 miles sometimes just to get to you know from your house to to your tractor where you work and, 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 and 50, 100 miles back, you know, round trip. So uh, people are worried about what's going on. They're also worried about, you know, kind of our national security and what's happening overseas. And, you know, uh, but we we got a lot of concerns. They have the same concerns. I tell people all the time, it's pretty easy to run right now. You don't have to run on district specific issues because it's like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, you know, where you don't worry about whether or not you have a hot tub if you can't put food on the table or clothe your kids. And that's the situation we're in in this world right now. We are all worried about the most basic freedoms that we have in this country and our abilities, uh, you know, to, 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 live free uh, and we're not worried about district specific stuff we're all on the same page right now yeah
1: and as you look forward into the 22 election and uh, potentially Republican control of the house what do you think uh, should be the priorities of the Republicans in the house uh, when they take control in 23
0: well, we want to be forward looking, okay? We don't want to be looking back completely, but we do want to make sure that some of the stuff that happened in this country never happens again. Yep. So, we're going to have some oversight hearings. We're going to dig into some of the stuff that happened with the origins of COVID and how that was handled. We're going to dig into, you know, Dr. Fauci and his involvement in all this. Uh, we're going to, we're going to we're going to address our border and some of the some of the stuff that's been going on on our border. Uh, there's there's a lot of issues that we're going to look into. Uh, but we're gonna be looking forward and we're gonna be working on building our economy back, we're gonna be working on deregulating, getting government out of people's lives, right. you know, and, and quit wasting and spending our kids' future because the Democrats are just on a spending spree that's driving us into an area that we will never be able to recover from if we don't start doing something about it. Yeah. So we're, yeah. we're gonna take this country back is what we're gonna do.
1: Okay, well that's fantastic. Is, do you feel like uh, your constituents are 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 really uh telling you that they want to convert their gas burning trucks to uh, electric vehicles are you here is that a is that a a popular subject i do not
0: hear that anywhere in the state of texas where i go people think that it's insane that's crazy uh you know to go tell somebody that you're going to cut their supply of gas off and they should just Deal with it and go buy an electric vehicle, right? People in my district cannot do that. They couldn't do that if they wanted to. And if you if you gave everybody here an electric vehicle right now, you wouldn't have any place to charge it, anyways, right? So the you know the the logistical support that's behind that it's not in place won't be in place for many many years in my district, maybe never. Uh, but to tell people to just deal with it and go buy an electric vehicle uh, just pisses people off here, to be yeah. honest with you. Yeah.
1: So you traveled the world uh, with the Navy. Uh, you served in uh, Iraq. I, I did. And wh- tell me what you learned in in seeing the rest of the world and then apply that to the United States and, and, and how, really, how tenuous our hold on this unique brand of liberty and freedom is
0: well i tell you one thing it is you know when i was when i was in the military and during my time at the white house i traveled to hundred and twenty different countries and a lot of them i went to um, many many times so i've been all over the world i've seen it all and what irritated me and one of the reasons i got in the race was i was sick to death of these people on the far left like aoc and talib and omar and presley and corey bush and all these these far left progressive you know, just idiots in my mind talking about how this was a horrible place to live, and there are better places to live than here in the United States. I tell you right firsthand, there is no better place to live in this world than right here in the United States of America. And if they don't think that, they need to go spend some more time overseas and what's going on. But you know, we are not we are not America first anymore, and that's what really concerns me. We've got to get back to where we're make America great, keep America great, America first. And we don't have those people running our country right now. But we need we need to get those people back into office. We need to start yeah. with President. Trump.
1: And I think a lot of people um, miss President Trump. I mean, you know, it is it is literally almost incomprehensible how we have driven into a ditch so quickly yeah. as a country, uh, whether it's inflation, whether it's our southern border. I mean, you're uniquely, as a Texan, you're uniquely uh, affected by this border crisis. Yeah. And so I just wonder, uh, you know, even in the n- North Texas, i'm sure that you're still feeling a lot of that pressure um, of over almost two million people coming in in the last year well we are and it's
0: really hard for us here in texas you know and we're we're, uh, we're we're paying an unfair price here to be honest with you because we're using millions and millions and millions of our texas tax dollars to secure that border down there. That is not the job of the state of Texas. That's the job of the federal government, right? And when I get, when we get the majority back, and certainly if we get the House and the Senate back, well, I'm gonna, the first thing I'm going to do is put a bill together to pay the state of Texas back for all the money that we've wasted doing the federal government's job because Joe Biden and his administration refused to do it and refused to acknowledge that it's a problem. But these people are falling in on our welfare system, on our schools, on our roads, on our health care. These are, these are resources that taxpayers uh, nationwide and taxpayers in the state of Texas pay for with their tax dollars and we're inviting anybody and everybody that wants to come up here and take advantage of it to just to, to fall in on these resources It's well, make not right. sure
1: make sure your reimbursement to Texas includes the price of the buses that are taking folks to yeah. DC and New York That's the
0: one thing that I think people right now are okay with yeah. they're saying spend as much money as you want busing these people up to New All York right. and DC Thanks Ronnie and Thank God you, bless you appreciate it
1: See you next time.